0: What's with this band anyway? I don't get it, can you please explain? Wait, like
1: bands play? Welcome to Bandsplain. I'm your host Yossi Salek. This is a show where music experts join me to explain the appeal of cult bands using their sincere passion and also a bunch of songs. Today's episode is about the Insane Clown Posse. If you don't have a traumatic life event that was related to the Insane Clown Posse like myself, here is what the Insane Clown Posse sounds like. Water, fire, air, and dirt. Fucking magnets. How do they work? I'm joined today by journalists. Podcaster and author, Nathan Rabin. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Hi, thank you
0: so much for having me. But more than anything, I am a juggalo.
1: Excuse me. Journalist, <laughs> podcaster, author, and esteemed juggalo, Nathan Rabin. Juggalo, first and <laughs> foremost, beyond all things. Is that on your LinkedIn? Like, is that like one of your titles under your name? I would not be a juggalo
0: if I paid any attention to LinkedIn.
1: Damn, fair. That's, that's a fire take, I have to say. LinkedIn is a scourge on our society, and and they are. the juggalos are right there. And I, I suspect they're right about a lot of things, but we'll get into that. Nathan, let's just, let's start from the very beginning. Tell me, tell me about Insane Calm Posse. Like, how did this band come into existence? Who are the two members? Give me the give me the juggle history.
0: I'll give you the four hundred and eleven. Sure, insane clown posse is a horrorcore duo from the lovely, lovely haven of Detroit, Michigan, uh, composed of a pair of high school dropouts, Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope. They kind of grew up with nothing, like so much of us. But what they had was they had imagination, you know, <laughs> and they had daydreams. They had fantasies where they could be anything. And what they wanted to be was a hip-hop group. And they weren't terribly gifted at it at the very beginning. One <laughs> might argue that they never got any damn good at it. I would disagree with you somewhat. Uh, but yeah, they're definitely not Rakim. Uh, they're definitely not uh, the most poetic lyricists in the history of the world. But what they kind of realized early on was they had gimmicks, you know? They had shtick. They had kind of these vaudevillian tropes that they could use to entertain people. And one of their tropes was that they realized that when they did a show and they had a hype man who was dressed like a clown, people really, really responded to it. People really liked the clown guy. So they thought, huh, that's interesting. If they liked the clown guy, maybe they would enjoy it if we only ever dress up like wicked clowns. <laughs> uh, maybe if that was our entire shtick is that we're clowns. Uh, we're evil, demonic, satanic clowns, but for good. Sure, sure. See, that is part of the the crazy paradox of it was, yeah, for a long time, they had this reputation for being the worst of the worst, for being bad influences, for being bad role models, for uh, being these kind of Fagan-like figures who would take these these scruffy ruffians, these orphans, these moppets mm-hmm. uh, and kind of transform them into an army, a face-painted army. And then another sort of gimmick that they found worked uh, was people enjoyed being sprayed with soda. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Uh
0: huh. And again, it was just one of those things where it's just kind of, you know, happy accidents. Uh, and they kind of realized, like, oh my God, our cloud loves being sprayed with uh, soda. Our crowd loves it when we dress up like clowns. Um, and then one day, uh, sort of Violent Jay was uh, talking about their early song, The Juggler, which is from one of their first albums. He was kind of messing around and he was saying, Juggler, Juggler, Jiggler juggalos, y'all some juggalos, y'all my juggalos. Okay. So what happened was they kind of stumbled into something that made sense. They would dress up like clowns. They would spray cheap soda. Fago is what they spray. That's very, very important because that's very branded. They did
1: not invent Fago. Fago... Existed before the insane
0: clowns. Oh, some some old Jewish uh, immigrants uh, invented Fago, of course. But what they but again, this is all very very important because Fago was the soda of the people. Right. You know, Fago was sixty nine cents or Fago was ninety nine cents. It was no
1: snooty ass Diet Coke. That's what I'm telling you. No, it was not. But 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 they branded
0: it again. It was this whole idea of being outsiders. You know, of being pariahs, of being these sort of demented clowns. And what happened was he had a lot of success, in part because they were great at branding. They're great at marketing. And I've read uh, Violent J's uh, memoir, Behind the Paint, which I believe is 671 pages long. And he wrote it when he was 32.
1: I just want to point out that Violent J has written a book before I wrote a book. And <laughs> I don't feel good about it, personally. I
0: feel, like if I, if I feel like if I played my cards right, I could be ghostwriting uh, Violent J's book
1: now. Put it to the universe. Uh, Put it to the jug- yeah. Juggleverse if you uh, well, will. The, I was at the was at
0: juggalo days uh, last year in Los Angeles before everything fell apart. And oh my God, was that a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I had my picture taken. And he was like... I want to hook up with you. I want to work on something. Like, give me your, your phone number. And I did. And then I'm just too, too terrified to actually text my hero and say, let's hook up. Let's work on something together. I feel like, uh, yeah, part of, part of what I've done these last 12 years of my life has been articulating the, the soul and the dignity of Juggalo Nation.
1: And that's why you're the perfect, ideal, exquisitely cast person to be on this show. Oh, thank you. Before we get too deep in, I I think I need to point out that Insane Clown Posse might be the most perfect band for this show because they are a band that everybody has heard of. Everybody. My mom. You know, like the cultural um, absorption is at like almost a hundred percent. But I would go ahead and say that 98% of those people don't know what they sound like. So I think, like, let's situate people. What's an Insane Clown Posse song to, like, let's just set the stage for the episode. Like, this is a quintessential what Insane Clown Posse sounds like song.
0: I uh, have to go with the song Hocus Pocus, okay. uh, which is from The Great Malenko, which was released in 1997. That's kind of one of their classic albums. People go
1: absolutely
0: insane when they perform that at shows. And again, a lot of my experience of in Clown Posse is I've been to seven gatherings of the Juggalos, Wow! which is their uh, infamous yearly uh, festival of arts and culture. And yeah, songs like this are kind of designed to be shouted along to with like a thousand other Juggalos at like 130 in the morning
1: awesome let's hear hocus pocus okay that was hocus pocus (laughs) um i have a couple of questions who whomst is the great malingo
0: the Great Malenko is one of the Joker cards, Okay, uh, and he is a necromancer. Got it. Uh, you can see his image on a lot of jerseys uh, that yes, people wear at seen. the gathering of the Juggalos. Yeah, he's, a very, he's a very iconic figure. Uh, so, yeah, he's sort of a necromancer, and he is an illusionist, and his idea is to deceive people, to trick them into committing sins uh, and doing evil things, and then they go to hell, okay. uh, which is called Hell's Pit, as opposed to going to heaven, uh, which is called Shangri-La, and yeah, the last of the Joker, the first pack of Joker's cards, one was called Hell's Pit and talked about what happens when you are bad, Uh, you go to hell, and then one talks about you are good and you go to heaven. So it's a very, very basic concept, uh, but it beats the alternative, which is, you know, preaching evil things, which people think ICP does incorrectly.
1: Also, this is like way more fun. Um... It's interesting. I was thinking, well, okay, A of All, that song slaps. That's A of All. I need to go on record to say that, and I can't believe that I've denied myself this long (laughs) of Insane Clown Posse music. Um, It sounds very, like, I can hear all the influences, like West Coast rap. Like, you can just really hear so much stuff. But I kept thinking the whole time, because we were talking about Horrorcore, um, was the gravediggers. Yeah, yeah. Who, like, you know, ostensibly pioneered horror core. And I remember reading something, I pulled it back up so I couldn't, I wouldn't butcher it, where they had said that their name came from digging graves of the mentally dead. And that stood for resurrecting the mentally dead from their state of unawareness and ignorance, mm. which is really similar to what you were saying before about like the purpose of the, you know, juggalo music to awaken people out of the slumber of these ill societal, societal ills, racism, you know, bullying, (laughs) what be it. So I was like, that's so interesting. And then it even goes back and it's, I think I'm just really struck not to like nerd out here, but the fact that like, I don't want to I don't want to pretend to know what Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope do or don't know about, but like the archetype of the court jester is also that, mm. you know, the, the point of the court jester, the purpose of the court jester is to be able to, through shock and awe and humor, Uh, tell the king that he's fucking up or to bring harsh truths, you know, to light, but like masqueraded or whatever delivered through the Trojan horse of humor. And in this case, violent clownery. But it's just very interesting how that's all, you know, an archetype doesn't have to be They don't have to be aware of the archetype to perpetuate it, which I found very interesting.
0: Oh, definitely. And it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I think one influence they don't necessarily acknowledge that much is the Beastie Boys. Uh, And you couldn't be a poor kid in the 1980s who loved rap music and not care about the Beastie Boys. And I think it's interesting that sort of the Beastie Boys and INCP are both white rap groups that come from very, very different Mm -hmm. places. And I felt like with uh, the Beastie Boys, there were, I mean... Jesus, uh, you know, uh, Adam uh, or his dad was a famous playwright. Uh, these were like very wealthy, accomplished people who came from like a very knowledgeable upper class bohemian existence at ICP. They come from a genuine like we're not ironically being poor. Right. We're not ironically being trashy and low culture like that's who we are. So there's a famous line uh, at a song I think we'll probably talk about a little later called Fuck the World, mm-hmm. uh, where they legendarily say, uh, fuck the Beastie Boys and the Dolly." Llama.
1: Shout out Tibetan Freedom Concert reference. <laughs> right. And if and again, like if you take
0: that seriously, like, oh my God, how can you possibly say that? Totally. How could you possibly take that seriously? I mean, again, and and when you go to and I, I love the Beastie Boys. I, I I think they're one of the greatest groups of all time. Uh, I, I mourn uh the the, the death of uh, of Adam Yauk. But I also scream along to those lines very, very loud because they're hilarious and they're funny. They also speak to like a weird culture. Moment where ICP was trying to have crossover success, when they're trying to get some respect. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, when they wanted like we've we've made a lot of money, we have a lot of attention. Like it would be nice if somebody said we weren't the worst group in the world. <laughs> right. So they hired uh, Hello Nasty, uh, Nasty Nasty Little Man. They 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 hired Nasty Little Man, who was who was a PR company to work with them. And apparently they had to drop them because. Uh, and again, this is one of those stories. that sounds too crazy to be uh, true or false. Allegedly, we'll Alleg- say. We the don't beastie know. Boy. Exactly, the Beastie Boys like they're pretty hurt by that line. Fuck the Beastie Boys of the Dolly. And again, you're the Beastie Boys. Like in the 1980s, you had like a giant inflatable
1: penis. It's also like, who cares what the violent clowns say about you? Exactly.
0: <laughs> if anything, it's, it's it's a march of quality. So uh, so yeah. So it ostensibly that's what uh, spelled the death of uh, Insane Clown Posse's relationship uh, with little nasty little man. But again, there are all sorts of kind of moments uh, in their history. Where they have a choice of like doing the mainstream thing and achieving success, or failing and being independent. And they invariably tend to go towards the failing and being independent. I mean, got to sort of talking about during how much their career kind of cycles around to stuff that is you know timely or is important to the people are talking about. I mean, they were on Disney for a while and. They got canceled. People were like, "How could you possibly have these violent, depraved, insane people? Literally insane people! Like, how can you be the company of, of Walt Disney and and be in bed with insane clown bossy? So they got dropped by. They were
1: on the Disney
0: record label. The Hollywood, I believe. They were Hollywood. They were on one of one of Disney's uh, various ones. Incredible gorgeous. So what they did was they got, they got to keep all of the money and they got their masters back and they were able to sell it elsewhere. So every once in a while, Disney does a wonderful thing for somebody by dropping them or canceling them or deciding to get out of business with them.
1: So Nathan, what is, what's, you know, we've talked about how ICP has flirted with the mainstream, but hasn't um, really landed that chick. (laughs) However, they've, they've grown their devoted fan base, you know, exponentially over the years since the beginning. I mean, arguably they have a huge fan base. What is it about Insane Clown Posse that appeals to these fans? And let's start maybe with a song that sort of encapsulates what Insane Cloud Posse offers to the Juggalos?
0: Sure. Well, I think a lot of it is that it's so much more than just a show, you know, it's so much more than just music, you know, it's this entire world that they've built up. It's this entire theatricality. It's this entire Mm -hmm. performance aspect, you know, it's, it's, you know, you don't just go to a show to hear your favorite song. You go to, you get, you escape the mundane nature of everyday life. You know, you escape the banality of everyday life, you know, and you find these people who are really, really intense for whom this is really, really important to them, you know, for whom this is this incredible sense of escape. And I think a lot of it is juggalos that I've met, that I've hung out with, that I've, partied with at the gathering, a lot of them have really difficult lives mm-hmm. and a lot of them grow up really, really poor. Right. And a lot of them, you know, the horrors that ICP preaches against, you know, they're not abstractions, right. you know, they're, my dad hit me, Totally. you know, they're, you know, I, I got raped when I was 14 years old, right. you know, so the idea of, uh, you know. Uh, of a god, you know, the idea of a morality, the idea that, you know, like I've got, I've got a friend who's a a juggler whose brother just died, you know, and when they play the songs about the afterlife and when they play the songs about how, you know, the the greatest gathering will be after we all perish, like there's something really, really powerful uh, for that. And I think it's this this community of outsiders that has kind of built up. And, and you know, I, hate to, I hate to quote Violent J, uh, but every year at the gathering, they have this seminar. And what the seminar is, where they just basically talk to juggalos for like two hours or two and a half um, hours. And they talk about like what they're going to do, what they're not going to do. And they announced that they were going to do the juggalo march on Washington at, at the seminar, which was really amazing. I was like, oh my God, this is so incredibly exciting. And I remember one of the things that Violent J said that really struck me was the colder it is outside the circle, the warmer it is inside the circle. So That's the more, actually
1: like incredibly poignant. Yeah,
0: so the more that people judge you, the more that people say that you suck and you're lame and you are a fan of the worst band in the world. And that's the thing too, is I feel like you can't tell the story of Encyclopedia Posse without telling the story of them being made fun of. Totally. You know, without them being walking punchlines, right. without people saying juggalos are stupid. And I did that, you know, like in my in my memoir in, in and Like I mentioned, like my brother being a juggalo. And I said, I think that conclusively, you know, uh, settled the argument of nature versus nurture. Uh, Firmly on the nurture side. Uh, (laughs) And again, it just, it it was an easy uh, joke to make and it was an easy punchline to make. And I like to feel that sort of my books uh, have played some role in kind of getting people to say like, well, maybe we shouldn't make fun of these people for no reason. Maybe they should be understood. Maybe they're not hurt anybody. Maybe you're just kind of... maybe we're making the world an uglier and more toxic place uh, when we just keep scorn and derision on these people because they're poor and because they look weird. Right. You know, and because they have silly names and silly customs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that was a big and I think that's also, I mean, part of the reasons why I responded to it, you know, like I grew up poor. My mother abandoned me. I grew up in a group home, you know, so this whole idea of you can have this family among people who like this weird music and like to take drugs and go party at the gathering every year. Like, I think there's something very, very, you know, nurturing about the whole community and, and, and supportive and
1: empathetic. I'm incredibly moved. And also I have to, I have to point out that I'm like really struck that there's like, that I'm realizing that Insane Clown Posse occupies this like really special space in the Venn diagram of like, let's Mm. say like punk which was for outsiders, kids that were made fun of, you know. And then on the other side, and don't get mad, fish. <laughs> because I really, I mean, I don't think fish offers respite to the uh, to the underserved. But I think the appeal of being a part of something and being taken away from the mundane and into this magical world and being in like, you know, in this in-group is p- part of... If not the entire, as far as I can tell, appeal of fish. Right, so, right. So like, right. I I just think it's really interesting that like th- some of that because fish is like incredibly sincere, right? Punk is obviously not incredibly sincere, right, 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 and like. ICP kind of has both things like it's off putting and kind of chaotic and weird the way punk used to be isn't anymore. And but it's also incredibly sincere and like loving and offering this sort of like collective experience for people that need it.
0: It just seems really cool. Oh, and you you actually can't see it, but I'm wearing a fish hoodie right now. Oh, amazing. And I have been been to 46 fish shows. Uh, And my book, You Don't Know Me, (laughs) But You Don't Like Me, was about falling in love with insane clown posse and fish uh, at the exact same time. So you live at the... Venn diagram juncture. <laughs> I too. I'm. I am the. And, and I like to think again. Like my book did pretty well. You know, it right. sold almost nine thousand copies, which is very good uh, for something that's not written by a huge celebrity. Yeah. Um, and yeah, whoop, I feel whoop. like it has. It has. Whoop whoop indeed. But it has like. And I feel like sometimes you know there's like festival people at the gathering. Right. And I think part of that is just because it's a great party, you know, right. and it's a great show, and you can look really weird, and you can hang out and be naked and take crazy drugs, and people aren't going to. Make fun of you because totally. you're different. They're not gonna make fun of you because you're a hippie. They're not gonna be like you're an outsider. Like we're all outsiders, right? You know. So I think there's something very, very uh, inclusive about the gathering and about insane clown posse. That again, I think people from the outside they're like, oh my god, if I go there, like I'm gonna get stabbed. Right. Uh, and I'm not gonna lie. It used to be a lot more sorted uh, than it is today. The first couple of years that I was at the gathering, uh, one of the fixtures was the drug bridge.
1: Mm, hmm A drug bridge.
0: Yeah. And the drug bridge. It's it's. It's not a metaphorical drug bridge. There's literally a bridge and people would sell you drugs while you were there. And they would literally like they would have uh, bullhorns, you know, and they would have like giant signs and stuff. And it would—it felt very weird and very transgressive. And then there was this kind of like an OD. Uh, and that was the end of the drug bridge. Uh, and I feel like it was also the end of an era. You know, and now if you go there, there's a lot more uh, families. It's a lot more wholesome. uh, There's a lot more. There's a lot more. There's a lot less nudity.
1: Right. You know,
0: like I remember the first time that I went to the gathering. I'm like, my God, nobody here is wearing clothing. Like that's very weird. You know. Um, But yeah, it it, it's crazy how uh, little time it takes to go from oh my God, this is so crazy, to oh my God, this kind of feels like home for some weird reason.
1: Wow. Why don't we hear? I saw that there's a sh- song on your playlist called uh, What is a Juggalo? Feel, it feels like it might be a good time to hear that. And then afterwards, I'd love to talk more. I think the the gathering is a super huge piece of the Insane Clown Posse puzzle, and I think we should get more into it. But let's hear uh, What is a Juggalo? What is a Juggalo? He just don't care.
0: He might try to put a weave in his neck.
1: Okay, that was What is a Juggalo? by Insane Clown Posse off The Great Malenko. Um, Nathan, something occurred to me that the Insane Clown Posse has been around since the late nine eight, late 80s, right? They formed...
0: Yeah, very late 80s, yeah. They're
1: originally inner city posse. It occurs to me that there are now... Doubtless, uh, fifty to sixty year old juggalos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my God, I'm, we have boomer juggalos. We do,
0: we do indeed. We've got people who've like, yeah, been following them <laughs> for decades upon decade. I mean, I'm forty four years old.
1: Well, Nathan, that, tell me, tell me how you personally came to juggalodom. Sure, sure, sure. Well, kind
0: of the way that it started was I was dating uh, my now wife, uh, and she was getting her master's in social work uh, from from Brown. Okay,
1: I thought you were going to say in juggalo studies. No, (laughs) Mm -hmm. no, she's getting her master's in (laughs) juggalo studies. And no, I think I
0: I would probably be the professor in (laughs) juggalo studies. But so she was getting her she was getting her master's degree in uh, in social work from Brown, and she did not have a television, which is very surreal when you think about now, because most of our relationship consists of watching 90 Day Fiance. Uh, but back then, she she didn't have a TV. So what we did was we would just watch The Jersey Shore. Uh, that was like the year uh, that it was happening. Amen. It was like a big thing. Pour, pour it a little for even though none of them are dead, the phenomenon is. Uh, and then... And then we would watch the video for uh, Miracles uh, over and over and over and over right. again. And we would laugh uproariously and say, ah, ha, ha, this is so funny. Look at those fools. They're so misguided. They're so earnest. They have no idea how silly and ridiculous uh, they seem and how the whole world is laughing at them. Or how magnets work. Or how magnet works. Exactly, exactly. So I was looking to write my next book and I wanted to write a book about fish. Uh, because I just wanted to hang out with my girlfriend and take drugs uh, and see music and get a book out of it at the very end of it. So I pitched it to my agent uh, and, and my editor at the time, and they said... We like this idea, but we don't know if there's necessarily a book uh, to be written just about fish. How about if you like explore a couple of different subcultures? Uh, and I said, sure, why not? And then the first one that I thought of was Insane Clown Posse. And it felt like the universe was pushing me to go to the gathering of the Juggalos. Uh, so yeah, so I You felt a calling. I felt a calling. And again, my original conception for my book was really weird. It was going to be fish, Insane Clown Posse, the Kid Rock Chillin' the Most... Most Cruise uh, and mm-hmm. the Jam Cruise. And I went down the Jam Cruise and I went to the Kid Rock the Most Cruise. And they were surreal experiences. But the only thing that I really connected with was Fish uh, and St. Cloud, Posse. And the first time that I went to St. Clown Posse, my first night there was the night of the infamous Tila
1: tequila incident. Oh, can you, can you, for the listeners that don't know about the Tila tequila incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, so the first night that
0: I was there, uh, one of the, the most unexpected performer at the gathering was Tila Tequila who, oh, good God. Now, now she, what year
1: is this? this it's like was, 2009. This is
0: 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this okay. was, God, this is like 12 years ago. This is a whole whole universe away at this point.
1: This is like MySpace has popped off. Tila Tequila is a full-fledged celebrity. Oh,
0: she's got like three different reality shows. She's not, she's not known for being a Nazi yet at this point. Not yet. Uh, thank yes. God. Uh, so yeah, so she was performing and I guess she was doing like dance music, but uh, yeah, people were very, very not excited about her performance and they were angry and they felt like it violated the spirit of the gathering. So there was this kind of like this weird tension the entire uh, evening.
1: Why Why did they think it violated the spirit of the gathering?
0: I think it's, again, I think there was this weird idea that it's underground and it, I mean, there was a lot of sexism uh, involved. A lot of ideas like, oh, this sexy girl is going to like be penetrate our sacred sanctum. Uh, so, uh, God, I went and saw Tom Green uh, and I remember Tom Green was like three hours late. Mm-hmm. Everybody is three hours late. You're kind of expected to be three hours late. To the, um, to the gathering. To the gathering and he did the show and uh, yeah, you had have to do a different show uh, at every at the gathering than you do anywhere else in part because you're expected to smoke pot uh, on stage there are lots of like 17 year olds shoving bongs into your hands wow. and you don't want to not look cool bro so yeah it was very interesting and you know, people like shouting they're hackling you but they're hackling you in like a positive way like it's very strange <laughs> so I saw and he was great like he did like some of the best comedy uh, performances I've ever seen I've seen at the gathering uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite was absolutely absolutely Brilliant, uh, and then yeah, and then later on, uh, Tom Green migrated over to Tila Tequila Tequila, uh, in an attempt to distract people who were angry by her existence. So people started throwing things, uh-huh. uh, and just this like very weird kind of Altamont vibe uh, sort of uh, happened very very quickly. And again, it was one of one of the more sad uh, and shameful experiences in, in, in gathering history. And yeah, at a certain point, she she left the stage, and people started pursuing her, and it was just I. Little Kim was supposed to perform uh, immediately afterwards. Uh, they had the 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 bad form uh, to make it a uh, to make it a, a ladies' night mm-hmm. <laughs> the gathering. I a possibly related development. It was it was the final uh, the final um, the final ladies' night they had. And then the next night that I went, I went and saw Gallagher. Wow. Uh, I was talking about the most traumatic, intense experiences, and it was raining, and I made the mistake of using way too many drugs. Sure. I just As kind of, do. somebody would shove something into your face and be like, yay, this is awesome. So I was kind of like fading in and out of consciousness. As we do for journalism. Exactly, exactly. When we're when we're really committed <laughs> to our craft, we're really in the whole gonzo. So it started to rain, uh, and... There's a tent, you know, and I'm like, God, it's so weird that nobody is sitting in front of the stage of this Gallagher thing when it's warm there and people aren't being, you know, got out of the rain.
1: Nathan, were you born yesterday? I was born yesterday. Even I, I know yest- what Gallagher's oh, whole deal is. And it was, and it was, and
0: it was, and again, yeah, it was one of the worst shows I've ever seen. It was like racist. Oh no. And I remember just thinking like, oh my goodness, why isn't anybody sitting there in front of the stage? <sighs> So I move to the front of the stage. uh, And seconds later, I'm being pelted with mustard Mustard. and pie and
1: watermelon. The watermelon is the classic.
0: And then I'm thinking, I... I'm the. Stu- I mean, nothing. Nothing will sober you up quite like being uh, horribly assaulted with either Gallagher's horrible comedy or the various fluids and substances that fly from the stage.
1: But yet, you left this first initial uh, journalistic approach to the gathering a fan. I did. I, well, the
0: thing is, I think originally I was just uh, fascinated by the scene. It right. just seemed so crazy and so over the top. And I mean, I kind of talk about this. Like, I went and I looked at the stuff that I wrote from it, like the, the copious, copious, copious notes, and like I basically had to throw out my first draft because I'm like this is too mean right you know and this is just seeing them as outsiders This seems like something less than this is kind of writing about it from like a, a place of unmerited superiority mm-hmm. you know so I kind of realized like I need to go back to the gathering of the juggalos and I need to do it right uh the next time and I need to listen more and I need to try and be a part of it you know and then yeah then the, the next year i planned to spend one year writing this crazy book and at the end of that first year I had nothing mm-hmm. or I had less than and I had something that like made me sad and made me feel like I was a bad human being so I had to go back uh, and yeah every year that I went back I my emotional connection to insect and Clone Posse just got greater and greater and greater uh, and my wife bailed after the third gathering. You know, she's like, I've been to enough gatherings for this lifetime and many more. Uh, but I was addicted. It was just so interesting. And yeah, over the course of, you know, the last over a decade at this point, I just uh, came to love the music in addition to the culture.
1: I'm sure that a lot of people probably had a similar experience to you where they went to an Insane Clown Posse show or The Gathering out of curiosity and were converted, especially after the song Miracles came out, which I think this is a good time for us to listen to Miracles, which is the only Insane Clown Posse song I had ever heard prior to today. Here is Miracles. don't have to be high to look in the sky and you know that's a miracle open wide. Look at the mountains, trees, the seven seas. All right. That was Miracles by the Insane Clown Posse. I have a lot of thoughts that I really need to get off my chest. Number one, that is an exact transcript of my mind when I do mushrooms, (laughs) literally verbatim, except for the part that Shaggy's kids look like him. Um, But all the rest, crows, crows are amazing. Um, Number two, producer Dylan has pointed out that actually we don't know how magnets work. Um, National Geographic did confirm that. And uh, it's kind of amazing that in their earnestness and sincerity and fearlessness around sounding stupid, <laughs> they actually spoke to a huge universal question, which no one understands. And number three, you have given me a gift today because I've had a, you know, I've been one of those people that had an idea of the insane clown posse and what they were, what jugglers were. I did, in fact, lose my virginity to a juggalo. Wow. I didn't know he was a juggalo, and but I, he might have been like a proto-juggalo, yeah. pre-juggalo. I don't really know, but it wasn't a bunk bed. There was an insane clown tapestry wow. of the clown. It must have been the great Malenko now that I look back. And, you know, a lot of that, it was a lot for me to take in at the time. It's been 10 years of therapy, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I must have judged him. And meanwhile... Unbeknownst to me, here are the insane clowns and their posse and their jugglers and their gathering, just spreading the beautiful word of acceptance <laughs> and love. And I, I have a whole reframing of, you know, my my past
0: well I'm glad to hear that I'm very very happy to hear that I can help you a chain closure uh, on weird experiences it's a, this is a
1: big day for me sorry dad um, <laughs> but this is a huge day huge day for me and if you're listening Daniel the Juggalo who I think is a house music DJ in San Francisco I googled him maybe two years ago just to check up and I believe he does uh, DJ weddings and stuff so that's what I needed to say <laughs> I need to get off my chest <laughs> Um, Nathan, let's talk more about speaking of mushrooms or psychedelic Mm. experiences. What is the vibe, the drug vibe at the the gathering because as producer Dylan has pointed out this is not a song that comes of doing meth not that I would know Catherine Hahn winking (laughs) emoji but um, like what's the vibe well that's the thing is yeah
0: before I went to the gathering of the Juggalos I was like oh they're all about meth right you know and they're all about those gross dirty drugs Uh, and what I've discovered uh, in my many many years of using drugs at the gathering of the Juggalos is a lot of it's pot you know which again like even 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 in those rare instances in which it was legal. Uh, you have just, I gotta remember, you know, uh, you go to the gathering and there were literally just people like carrying giant bags of pot with you. Mm-hmm. That was not at all unusual. That kind of goes along with being naked. Uh, there was one gathering in Oklahoma City. And they're like, oh, let's try and do something more kind of West, uh, more kind of southish. And what happened was they ended up in, like, I believe, a, a theme park. Uh, and the sheriff and the FBI and everybody around are like, oh, my goodness, all of these dangerous drug dealers and gang members are going to be coming into our community. So it was the most ridiculous gathering ever. Here's how ridiculous it was: the wet T-shirt contest. You had to have pasties. Wow! <laughs> you know, you and something specifically designed to, to illustrate the, the the beauty of the female form. And you you weren't allowed to sell drugs there. Like I'm very lucky that I like, found somebody on the first day there and like it piled up because it felt very very weird. And, and like I said before, like it just gets more and more mellow every year. And I feel like when I first started going there, it's like it was very much kind of like a drug fueled, uh, Dionysian exercise and extreme hedonism. And over time, it's become more of a family event, it's become more of a hanging out with your pals. It right. becomes it,
1: boomer juggalos,
0: yeah. You know. Well, I, I think just you know, insane clown posse, they're you know, they're in their late 40s, you know, they're uh, approaching 50, like they're getting to a certain time in their life, and you know, you also like you grow. You know, you evolve, you mature. Magnets. how do they work? Well, exactly, and you know, you look back. Gross. Like, how does that happen? Well, it's, and again, yeah, there's a. I think in Passing Strange, uh, there's a great line where he talks about how it's crazy. how if you're an artist, so many of your uh, your life is made up by decisions you made while you were stoned and a teenager. You know, like that's when you decide who you are, what your voice is going to be, like how you see the world. And then, you know, that stone <laughs> teenager leads to, you know, 50 years later, somebody who's been on this path their whole life, you know. I don't feel great about that, but OK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I still get it. I feel like it's, it's become less intensely drug focused and sort of the drugs have gotten softer and the drugs have gotten nicer. And yeah, there still hasn't been one in a place where uh, marijuana is. Legal. Uh, they wanted to do one in Colorado, but again, this is <laughs> to get to the very nitty gritty of the juggler world. At one of the seminars, uh, Shaggy Tootle was talking about how you know people were upset because they were in Oklahoma City, where the cops were everywhere, and you couldn't use drugs, you couldn't be naked, it didn't feel right. And he said, literally, we came very, very close to not having a gathering this year mm. because the porta potty people wouldn't rent us porta potties wow. because they heard that you know we were insane and we were deranged, we would do awful. Things to their porta potties, and you cannot have a festival if you do not have porta potties. Accurate, you know, and, and so that's the crazy thing is like that's how narrow you know sort of your margin of error is. Like if these shitter people do not lend you their shitters, then you can't have your festival. Then like your whole big yearly event. So every time I go to a, a, <laughs> a festival in Atlanta, I'm always pay close attention to the uh, porta potties <laughs> and notice how. Unlike The Gathering, they are. Because, yeah, again, people also think that juggalos are disgusting and gross because uh, they spend five days hanging out using drugs rolling around in the mud and not taking showers.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> well, no one thought that about
0: Woodstock. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's, at as and Woodstock, everything falls apart and people have a great time all the same. But I think you sort of talk about sort of the, um, this relationship to the mainstream. I think one of the reasons why the gathering kind of happened was because Insane Con Posse performed at Woodstock 99. You know, <laughs> The cursed Woodstock. The yeah, cursed Woodstock like ninety nine. Yeah, with with uh, with with uh, Fred Durst. And Again, everything works mm-hmm. together. There, there, a lovely, lovely moment where Insane Clown Posse did a show with Limp Bizkit not too long ago. And they don't do a lot of shows with people, you know, because they've got a big stage show. You can't come on after them unless you want to be, right. uh, you know, sticking in in Faygo the entire time. And Shaggy Chudo, God bless him, tried to drop kick Fred Durst on stage. Being a juggalo, he failed. Wow. So if you look on YouTube, you can see a clip of a face paint free Shaggy Tudope attempting to drop kick uh, Fred Durst and failing, uh, which again, it's kind of an epic fail uh, and kind of flare. And, and I feel like In Synclone Posse and the gathering are kind of a celebration of failure. You know, uh, there are all these different things that are chanted, one of which is family, another is you fucked up. So if somebody screws up, like for example, trying to kick, drop kick uh, Fred Durst and not connecting, You chant, you fucked up, you fucked up, you fucked up. And it's a celebration of screwing up more than it is, uh, you know, a a, uh, a negative uh, take on it.
1: This is truly the uh, gathering of the fail sons. This is the fail son industrial complex. Hunter Biden should be invited to perform and speak at the gathering of the Juggalos. You heard it here first. (laughs) I have a totally another question that is related to kind of the vibe of the gathering. How does security work at these things? Like, is there like a large security presence? Is the security sort of instructed to like, it's like, okay, make sure no violence, but it's okay. These things, you know, like, I'm just so curious.
0: Oh, totally. Well, I'd say for the most part, and again, the, the gathering has changed substantially over time. I remember uh, the early days that I visited, they were in Cave and Rock, Illinois. Uh, and Cave and Rock, Illinois somehow was even more primitive and less urbane than its name would suggest. And yeah, there were just, there were a couple of, um, one of the one of the security guards was staying at <laughs> God, I was staying at our hotel. And God, I remember, again, this will tell you how the security guards saw the gathering and their roles within it. Uh, they would stroll by the drug bridge and complain that the prices were too high. (laughs) When things are working well, the idea is they're chill and they're laid back and they're there to keep people from having fistfights. Or they're there to keep people from stabbing each other. Or they're there to keep people from like selling heroin in front of children. You know, I think very much the idea of like if you want to take your top off, Go on ahead. You know, if you want to show people your penis, like that's fine. Uh, we just don't want you to be committing major felonies
1: uh, under our eye and under our watch. I think we can all agree that um, selling heroin in front of children bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Taking a bold stance, that
0: is bad. You should not do yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I'm just going to go ahead and go on record and say that that's bad.
0: <laughs>
1: can you tell me a song that reminds you of like? one of your fondest gathering memories or maybe a song that you discovered when you heard it live at a gathering? Well, I feel
0: like there are certain songs that I will always associate with The Gathering of the Juggalos and one of them is The Great Malenko.
1: That was The Great Malenko <laughs> by Insane Clown Posse. Um, I have a, okay, so I have a bit of a question about what's the take on their cultural appropriation, if there is any? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like, you know, their hip-hop... I don't want to say peers because it is it is pretty different, what they're doing, um, are, seem very, like, into it and accepting of it and sort of you know, non judging of it. Oh, tell Emily. I mean like
0: God, when I went to the uh, one of my all-time favorite ICP shows was they did Canada Days in or the Juggalo Days in mm-hmm. Canada. Shout so out to Canadian see, Juggalo contingency. Yeah. So I got to see Insane Clown Posse perform uh, in a strip mall uh, in Canada. God, I got to forget which it was not even one of like the 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 fancier cities. It was like a very Juggalo city. No, it was
1: like Saskatchewan or oh, something. Oh yeah, for sure. And no then, offense and to the, Saskatchewan and then the
0: opening acts were two live crew. Uh, Onyx and ice tea, And ice tea was amazing. And he was so funny and so good and so natural. One of the things you learn from going to the gathering is that they have surprisingly good taste in music. You know, like Paris performed there. You know, uh, Confrontation Camp, which was Chuck D's uh, thing there. So yeah, you see a lot of weird, interesting uh, groups. And yeah, I think there was an idea kind of early on, sort of the false impression that people got about in St. Clown Posse was that their shtick was racist. Right. Uh because Juggalo, of the makeup. Right. Well and Juggalo sounds kinda of like uh Jigaboo, right. You know, which is a, which is a, is, a, is a, uh an antiquated yeah. uh, thing. And yeah, and then obviously, you know, people putting on face paint, you know. Sure. But but again, like these are high school
1: dropouts. Right. It's far purer. It's far purer than that. Oh, totally. They, they don't have a sense of, of of the jazz singer.
0: Right. You know, they don't understand, like, the history of, like, the, the chilling circuit, you know. And they've learned a lot, like... Violent J likes to read. Uh, he's read all of my books. I would join Violent J's book club. Hell yeah, hell yeah uh, about that. But but yeah, and, and again, like you listen to their early songs, they're very anti-racist. They're a very anti-Confederate flag. Right. They're very anti-Southern, or hit, not Southern necessarily, they're very anti-redneck. And, and one of their songs was called Fuck Your Rebel Flag. And yeah, in 2016, they burned a Confederate flag in the ring. You know, and again, it was one of the things, but it's like who needs to be told that the Confederate, is bad a lot and slavery of is bad. Exactly, exactly. A lot of people needed the basic moral lessons that insane clone posse have been dueling out in various forms for like the last 30 years. One of the big uh, sort of uh, stories about them as of late was the FBI demarcated Juggalos, a loosely organized hybrid gang. Wow. Which has real, you know, legal ramifications. Like if you're in a custody battle, and you have a juggalo tattoo, you know, your partner can say, "Hey, that person belongs to a violent gang. They're a violent gang member. I should get custody." That's horrible. I mean even like you know, like like, you know, for 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 uh parole, all of these things, you know, like if you're associating, like going to the gathering can be considered associating with other gang members.
1: That's absolutely insane. That's ridiculous. I would be uh Remiss to not mention also that the guy I lost my virginity to with the insane clown tattoo did go to prison shortly thereafter and did write me letters. <laughs> that's
0: really well. That's that's not that's not entirely out of character necessarily. So what happened was they were like, well, we need to fight on our fans' behalf, and they had a juggalo lawyer,
1: a lobbyist, a juggalist,
0: a juggalist. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So he said we're gonna do um, a juggalo march on Washington, and all of the juggalos going to descend upon, we're going to peacefully march. We're going to express why it is that it is unfair and it is a societal iniquity that we're being uh, mislabeled as gang members and, and treated and profiled in all of these different ways. And I was invited to be a speaker there. Wow. Uh, which was very, very, very exciting. And I was actually the final writer uh, to speak there. And I, and I really wish that I had thrown out, fuck Donald Trump <laughs> at the very end. But I didn't want to get it to be in trouble. I wanted it to be like, why did you insert politics at the end? But I'm like, this whole thing is political, you know? And then,
1: Did you wear paint? I've worn paint once. But you didn't wear it when you gave the speech on March on Washington. I did not.
0: I did not. I had a crazy thing. She was like, I do not have a picture of myself speaking at the Juggalo March on
1: Washington. That is crazy.
0: And that's insane. That is absolutely insane. I like I've got I've got like a picture of myself from earlier on that day, but I'm like, this was like one of the greatest moments of my life. Like how but but that also seems weirdly in keeping with the juggalo tradition.
1: Yes. You can't catch a rainbow in your hand. Well, exactly. You just you remember them.
0: You remember this amazing
1: experience because you don't
0: have, you know, the physical thing uh, that would let you know that you were there and that it was utterly, utterly surreal. And yeah, that definitely felt like and, and one of the two is like uh, it I'm like We were counting on juggalos to behave very, very well, to not piss in the streets, not use drugs in front of everybody, to not be obnoxious. And it went beautifully. It went absolutely beautifully. There were no arrests. There were no incidents. Everybody was just having a good time. And yeah, it was was one of the... One of the nicest things I've ever been involved with. That's amazing. Uh, you don't necessarily think... And I got, I got to watch uh, ICP perform from uh, the stage, uh, which was really, really cool. I got to be part of Fago Armageddon, uh, which is what they call it
1: uh, when, when you, you spray... When you spray down the crowd. Exactly, exactly. Go Armageddon. Nathan, can you point us to a song that is the most explicit in its morality? uh Juggalo homies. Like is it is it tied it ties into like politics or I just look at the the community, you know. I just sort of
0: like I also do it like I think it's interesting like well what other groups are popular with in St. Cloud posse because yeah they had this uh, schism with uh, Twisted which was their big protege. Twisted
1: uh Twisted.
0: Mm-hmm. T W I Z T I D. Uh, and yeah, it's ironic that they did the song Juggalo homies where they talk about being friends and you know how they'll be friends until the day that they died and then now they can't perform that song anymore because everybody that they did it with has left their label oh no uh, but yeah, so, so, it's, so, it's, it's, so it's, 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 it's ironic, you know, uh, that the song Juggalo Homies, which is such a lovely song and speaks to the wonderful community of Juggalos, uh, today sort of uh, has a very bittersweet and melancholy uh, sort of quality to it uh, because Twisted hasn't been at the gathering in a very long time
1: and may never return
0: which is kind of sad.
1: That's a rift and it does make me sad even though I've only just heard of this person right 5 <laughs> seconds ago. Um all right, well let's listen to Juggalo Homies. Talk about- That was Juggalo Homies by Insane Clown Posse. I'd just like to take this moment to give a shout out to my Juggalo Homie, Alice Barlow, if you're listening. Um, And I just need to tell a quick, beautiful, really, I'm reeling from how uh, meaningful without me even understanding Insane Clown Posse has been in my life. Let me tell you, Nathan. So early on in quarantine, maybe like in April of last year, Um, I lived alone at the time. I still live alone. And my best friend Alice Barlow was living alone in New York City. So we were like constantly in communication, on FaceTime together, doing puzzles, you know, whatever you do in early quarantine. And then we decided, we're like, let's have like a, let's have a fun game. You know, we're getting a little depressed and we're like, we can each get each other a cameo. There's a budget and it's a surprise. And whoever gets the best cameo for the other person wins it's just a contest so we had a, di- a date like a deadline i wake up and i'm like so excited for what i got and i wake up 6 a.m and i have a message from her she's like here's your cameo bitch and when i tell you that i got her shaggy too dope <laughs> and she got me violent j without Aww. any communication without oh any, my god and it was so beautiful and not only that but because we are who we are, we had them roast one another. So (laughs) I just would love to play you just a quick second of, um, also shout out to Violent J, who I believe cameos only need to be, I don't know, like a minute, a minute and a half. Mm. This man, Violent J, he didn't care. He went a full (laughs) three and a half minutes roasting me within an inch of my life. My name is Violent J. I go by... The Duke of the Wicked sometimes, because I like to kick wicked shit rhymes, Yossi. Thank you. I'm one half of the Insane Clown Posse. That's right. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. At home with the cat on your lap? (laughs) Watching Grey's Anatomy? Double feature special? (laughs) I do love Grey's Anatomy. Oh, having a late night snack, huh? I see you got a cup of tofu yogurt. How nice. With barley biscuits. Mm-hmm. I love barley biscuits, tofu yogurt, a <laughs> side of bird food. I love it. Um, this goes on for quite some time. He roasts me about listening to Third Eye Blind and Dave Matthews. He <laughs> goes. He makes fun of my uh, limp, uh, thin. Indie rock ex-boyfriends, like he really goes into (laughs) it. Um, And the one with Shaggy Too Dope is amazing because in the background, he's like, I guess in his basement or something. And there's just a massive, beautifully shot family photo of like him, no makeup, his wife and his children. But he's like in the makeup screaming about my friend being Australian and how that's stupid. Um, Anyways, just a really feel good story for me around... The Insane Clown Posse and my Juggalo homie Alice Barlow. That's
0: awesome. So <laughs> that's Insane Clown Posse bringing people together.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, like you were saying, Nathan, you know, they've suffered all these people making fun of them for so long. And I was made fun of them through these cameos, which was very beautiful. You you make the point, like, they, they're literally clowns. Like, that's what they do. They they make jokes, they talk about nut sacks going in soup and they, you know, there's they're clowns. Yeah, I think kind of a,
0: a song that kind of illustrates that in a beautiful sort of way is Fuck the World, uh, which is kind of one of their big anthemic songs where <laughs> its structure is absolutely brilliant. It's, it's derived from Cole Porter, which is just wow. a bunch of things saying fuck too. Uh, and it just gets so silly and so silly and so ridiculous. And like one of the things they say, uh, fuck Cisco, fuck the Count of Monte Crisco.
1: Cisco of thong song fame? Yes, a okay. thong so thong
0: fan And I'm not sure whether it's The Count of Monte Cristo, the book, or
1: uh, the, the sand
0: novel, or whether it's one of the film <laughs> adaptations. Sure. Uh, this is also the one where they say, fuck the Beastie Boys and the Dalai Lama. Right. So again, I think it's just a matter of uh, having anger, but having they're in on the joke. Right. You know, I think people are like, oh, we're laughing at and saying clown posse and how silly they are. It's like, no, they're trying to make you laugh. They're really goofy. If you're laughing at them, unless it's miracles. Chances are they want you to laugh. You know, they're-
1: Also, guess what, bitch? They're rich now.
0: Well, it's funny. It's funny. one of the, I think the first time I interviewed uh, Violent J, I asked him uh, what, if there was anything that like upset him that people thought that was wrong. And he said, I'm upset because like the, I think Nightline and uh, freaking Bill O'Reilly both did stories on Insane Clown Posse that were hilarious and very, very wrong. And one of them said that they made $10 million a year. And he said, I am very upset with the idea that people think that I have ten make ten million dollars a year and that I'm rich as fuck. Uh, because that's not the case. That's not the case at all. And, and you know, sort of we talked a lot about sort of the nitty gritty of their world. And they basically said, like the gathering, we're if we're lucky, we break even. Oh wow. You know, it costs an enormous amount to make to do. There are all sorts of variables. We don't charge our fans that much money. The gathering is a public service. It is a public and, and, and this year, like when 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 uh uh, when when COVID-19 hit, uh, they canceled the uh, gathering rather than risk one juggalo get COVID unnecessarily.
1: Incredible. Well, why don't we hear fuck the world? Well, Nathan, we did talk to a kind of a... Broad mix of fans uh, for this episode. We talked long term juggalos, like, you know, tried and true, and then also some outsiders who went to the gathering and became converts. Um, you know, sort of the intersection of you, actually. Um, shall we listen to what they had to say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I think ICP really stood out just as being really brave, creative, powerful individuals who seemed to have a perspective and told stories that weren't often told and an honesty that wasn't often shared.
1: ICP had a way of speaking that was a way that
0: middle class, lower middle class America talked. When these two face painted, rapping clowns made music about killing rich kids and bigots and racists and stuff like that, it really,
1: it really kind of spoke to me.
0: Being with and meeting other Juggalos and and similar-minded people, that's the main base for it all. You go to Gathering of the Juggalos like
1: family, and that's something that people say to each other like, hey family, like you greet each other as family.
0: Of all festivals I've ever been to, the Gathering was the felt the safest, the most welcoming, most inclusive, and the total anarchy was just a bonus on top.
1: It was pretty amazing how I thought consent was very present. Like there's a thing at Gathering of the Juggalos
0: where you're like, show me your
1: but you can say no and they're like okay no problem you're still hot
0: (laughs) i think icp deserves serious props for staying true for being brave for weathering the ups and downs of of musical journey but also just really showing up and never really caring what other people thought just always wanting to bring the best to who the people that love them all of my closest friends are or were jugglers at some point there's nothing to this day that is Touched me uh, in a deeper way than, than the Juggalo culture. I'll be down with them and, until I'm dead and gone. Down with the clowns till you're dead in the ground. Whoop whoop to any Juggalos listening and much love.
1: Nathan, wow. I feel like I heard a lot of the sentiments that you've expressed echoed here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally. I mean, again, I think what they kind of uh, capture via these very touching remarks is the incredible sincerity uh, sort of at the heart of juggalo culture and insane clown posse. And I felt like that was one of the things that really surprised me when I uh, sort of started exploring it was there's a this I guess sort of the the public perception is that it's so nihilistic you know and it's so transgressive and it's about being like the naughtiest most in your face person possible and there's a lot of that there I think there's an element of freedom that you don't really get anywhere else where these people who have lives that again can be very difficult I mean thinking about some of the people that I talked to and one of the guys was talking about how he worked in like a chicken killing floor <laughs> like for uh, 51 weeks out of the year his Life was all about you know killing chickens and then washing their bloods from there and then for one week he gets to dress up all crazy and be his truest purest self and just live you know and just just enjoy every moment of this you know sort of bacchanal so yeah I think they definitely capture the sense of belonging uh, the sense of acceptance uh, that comes there the sense of identity the sense of escape. Like there are all of these things that Insane Clone Posse provides for its fans and that juggalos provide for each other that you don't find in, for example, the fandom of Michael Bolton.
1: Or at Coachella, as we heard, which is not a place where people come together to live in glorious harmony.
0: No, and that's and that's just, I mean, God, I worked for the pitchfork for the two years that I didn't go to the gathering.
1: The old pitchfork.
0: <laughs> well, and I remember, you know, like the pitchfork and the AV Club Festivals. So and it would just be a bunch of people staring and glaring at music while drinking overpriced beer. And I was just saying, like, again, there's just this distance. There's this ironic distance of like, entertain me performers. Whereas, you know, with the in St. Clan Posse and the Gathering, the Juggalos, they're dancing, they're celebrating, they're enjoying every moment of it. And again, nobody is cool and nobody is hip. And that's incredibly liberating and incredibly freeing, especially for people like me who... Also, we're never hip and we're never cool uh, and appreciate, uh, you know, sort of a world where that not only is not a bad thing, but makes you more like everybody else. I'd say it's a a world of outsiders all gathered together.
1: I'm touched and also would love to go.
0: It's a pretty special place. (laughs) And it's been two years. So the next the next gathering will be something special. uh, I'd like to think.
1: I will surely be talking about this in therapy this week and for several weeks to come. (laughs) I think we're coming to the end now of our uh, juggalo journey of our um, our own personal dark carnival. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and really teaching me a lot about a band that I think I didn't have any inkling how deep and... I don't know, like I'm just so touched by like, this is really what I think music is supposed to be in some senses and like what fandom is supposed to be. Like, it's like a give and take and you're getting something from the artist and a feeling of belonging. That's like what always drew me in to music as a teenager was like hearing something that made me feel less alone and made me feel like I belonged to something. And I, I guess I just had no idea that this was such the core tenet of Insane Clown Posse. So thank you so much for such an intelligent and like illuminating conversation.
0: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure being able to talk about Insane Clown Posse. And it brought back a lot of good memories. Uh, So thank you for having me on. And thank you for, again, having an open mind and a willingness to explore all of the different sides and not just the, you know, the uh, public perception, which for a long time was not just unfair, but brutally, brutally unfair. So it's nice to know that the world is kind of coming around a little bit and coming to understand what makes uh, Insane Clown posse and juggalo special and not the worst people and band in the world as previously thought
1: i'm certainly down with the clown now um (laughs) nathan why don't you um i know there's a song that you wanted to wrap this whole thing up with that really kind of does the work of culminating the juggalo journey in song can you talk a little bit about that song before we play it as the last song of the episode
0: Sure, I think I know what song you're referring to, and it is a song called Thy Unveiling, which was a very, very crucial, very important song within the mythology of Insane Clown Posse. It was a song where they gave you the message of all of the Joker cards and all of the Dark Carnival and everything that had been leading up to that magical, magical moment. And that message was be good people follow God. Whatever your higher spirit is, pursue it. Try to be the best possible person that you can be. Uh, And if you're a good person, you will go to heaven or Shangri-La. And if you're a bad person, if you're racist, if you're a a rapist, if you uh, beat your children, then you're going to hell's pit uh, or hell. Uh, So, yeah, I think people were they were kind of, I don't know, surprised to see such a rigorous uh, endorsement of Judeo-Christian mythology from a group that, again, had a reputation for being very transgressive, very naughty, being on the side of evil and not good. But I I think, again, it it speaks to the incredible sincerity at the heart of Insane Clown Posse, at the heart of the Dark Carnival, at the heart of Juggalos. And, And the fact that, again, it's about emotion. You know, and about being real and being yourself and, you know, being a good juggalo. And being a good juggalo means being good to other juggalos, taking responsibility and being a good citizen of Juggalo Nation. And that's something that I try to do uh, in my everyday life and in my career is to be a good citizen of Juggalo Nation. I think this song, which is Jesus, something like seven minutes long, it's embodies so much you know sort of in microcosm you can see the macrocosm it's one song uh, from which you can see their whole ideology so it's a special song uh if you're you know willing to open listen with open ears uh, and, and in its own way it's kind of like miracles as well because it's about taking a step back and saying let's appreciate the wonder of being alive
1: again thank you so much nathan Everybody, please go pick up Nathan's books. You can use your Google, Nathan Rabin. He has many wonderful books available for sale, namely You Don't Know Me But You Don't Like Me, Fish, Insane Clown Posse, and My Misadventures with two of music's most aligned bands, is it? Tribes? Most 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 maligned tribes.
0: <laughs> my books are impossible to pronounce. The entire phrase for it, uh, but I also have Seven Days in Ohio, uh, which is the uh, Kindle that I wrote about going to the gathering and the Republican National Convention in the same incredible weekend and reconnecting with my brother. So yeah, you can totally check that out and actually get paid for it, <laughs> like my books on Instagram. Uh, and then yeah, I've got you know I've got a, a, a backer kit out now for my for upcoming book, which is called The Joy of trash uh it's like a collection of uh sort of the greatest hits uh, from my website nathan ribbons happy place amazing
1: get nathan's books thank you again nathan whoop whoop and here is <laughs> here is thy unveiling join us next week on bandsplain for more hello alice Hey, 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 hey! I'm Shaggy Two of the Insane Clown Posse, and I heard you also are from Australia. You're Australian, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Fuck the fuck off! I uh, just wanted to take this special moment to say happy birthday to my best friend, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! Alice Barlow. This episode is your birthday gift. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to more episodes of Bands Playing only on Spotify. Utmost gratitude to our expert juggalo-in-residence, Nathan Rabin. You can follow him on Twitter at Nathan Rabin, R-A-B-I-N. Go check out his books, The Joy of Trash and You Don't Know Me, But You Don't Like Me, Fish, Insane Clown Posse, and My Misadventures with Two of Music's Most Maligned Tribes. A big whoop whoop to our ICP fans for sharing their juggle love Thank you, Olivia B, Megan Amberson, Scotty D, Kyle Blackburn, and Derek Thomas. Fansplain is a Spotify original series produced in partnership with Spoke Media. This episode was produced and edited by Cody Hoffmuckle with help from Sherita Solis, Dylan Rupert, Carson McCain, and Hebron Mendez. Mixing and sound design by Will Short. Our executive producers for Spoke Media are Aaliyah Tavakolian, Keith Reynolds, and Janiel Kastner. Our executive producers for Spotify are Liz Gately, Gina Dalvac, and me, Yasi Salak. Our catchy and gorgeous theme song was composed by Bethany Cosentino and Jennifer Clavin, and graciously recorded by Carlos de la Garza. Special thanks to Felipe Guillermino, Leah Edwards, David McDonough, Dana Meyerson, and, as always, the framed drawing of Dave Matthews I got on T-Pop, whose spirit guides this entire show.